0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM
1: on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Charles Richbloom, Dr. Knowledge. He has built one of the largest collections in the world of fascinating facts and stories that serve as a source for his Knowledge in a Nutshell book series. Charles served as news and sports editor of WJAS in Pittsburgh, taught college journalism. He founded a news service, Century Features, which syndicated interesting facts and tidbits to newspapers and radio stations worldwide as well. We're going to talk about a number of different facets of strange things, knowledge in a nutshell, including things about Christmas and New Year's traditions. Charles, great time to have you back, my friend.
0: Always good being with you, George.
1: These are fun times. How did you get started in all this? Well, it goes
0: back to uh, many, many years ago, uh, more than 50 years ago, in fact. My gosh. I was a a teenage uh, intern at a radio station in my hometown of Pittsburgh, and they had me working on uh, July 4th since I was the youngest one there. They had me working on the July 4th holiday, and my job was to clear the news wires. Of course, we didn't have computers back then. The news came over teletypes. And uh, my main job was to tear off the sheets of paper as the news came across the teletype and hang the stories up on the nails, up on the wall. Anyhow, this was July 4th weekend, and a story came over the wire, uh, an overnight story from the Associated Press, that three of the first five U.S. presidents all died on July 4th. Ooh. Cool. And, I, boy, that's – I never remember learning that in school, and if that's true, that's, that's incredible. And I looked it up, and sure enough, the second president, John Adams, died on July 4th, 1826. The very same day, the third U.S. president, Thomas Jefferson, also died on July 4th, 1826. Obviously, unrelated causes. Adams was in Massachusetts, Jefferson in Virginia, but they both died the same day. And then the fifth president, James Monroe, died on July 4th, 1831. So, you know, I'm thinking, what are the odds that three of the first five presidents would all die on the same date to begin with? And of all the dates in the year, it was July 4th. So wow! I I stuck that story in my pocket and <laughs> started looking, uh, just, I guess, began my uh, desire to look for stories like that. And I uh, really spent the rest of my life since I was 15, 16 years old looking for stories like that. And uh the, the final result here is I have a new book called The All Time Book of Fascinating Facts, where I put in what I think are the best of what I've collected over the years. Plus, I spent a couple of years looking for new stuff, too. And, and that is our newest book, and it's called The All Time Book of Fascinating Facts. And it's on our website, Knowledge in a Nutshell, one word, knowledge in a com.
1: And in those earlier days, Charles, there were no computers. You had to assemble right. all this by hand.
0: Yeah, and encyclopedias, which, by the way, you know, I still say are more reliable. You never be sure 100% of what you see on a computer is true. Uh, Much of it is, but some of it isn't. At least the old encyclopedias, when you're looking for, you know, things uh, that would be in an encyclopedia, uh, you can really count on them. They were, you know, put together by educated people. And you can rely on them for for being accurate. Not not everything on the computers on the internet is <laughs> as as uh, you well know is is, is totally accurate.
1: We're going to throw some quick questions uh, at you from the All Time Book of Fascinating Facts. When we take calls next hour with you, uh, questions, of course. But do you want them to try to stump you with things?
0: Oh, sure, sure. Okay, not that hard to do.
1: Great trivia stuff. Great trivia. Let's talk a little bit about Christmas first. Uh, Why are Christmas colors red and green?
0: Well, the original uh, decorations for Christmas trees, let let me back up just a little bit. We we didn't have Christmas trees in the old days. George Washington, for example, we have this in our The All-Time Book of Fascinating Facts. George Washington never had a Christmas tree. People at that time did not have, it was not a custom in America to have Christmas trees. The people that started the custom were the Germans, and they began the custom by decorating trees outside, and then gradually began bringing them inside. And when many German immigrants came to this country in the middle 1800s, they brought with them their custom of decorated Christmas trees in a home, and that's when it started. And most Americans who lived before, let's say, 1840, 1850, never had Christmas trees. And, and the custom really started in the middle 1800s, which is kind of a surprise, you know, that uh, that it's really that comparatively that recent. Uh, and one other thing happened. Queen Victoria in England married uh, Prince Albert of Germany, and he came, of course, to live with the queen in England, He and he brought with him the custom of a decorated Christmas tree. And, of course, in the palace, they had this big, glorious Christmas tree in, in the palace, And a picture was taken of that, and that picture appeared in newspapers all over America. And that one picture really sparked the beginning of people saying, hey, you know, that's nice to have a Christmas tree in the house. So it started then. But going back to why the Christmas colors are red and green, originally they didn't put any lights on the trees. Of course, there was no electricity in those days. Electricity didn't come till the later 1800s. And it was kind of dangerous to put a candle, a lighted candle, on the tree. You didn't want it to catch fire. So the original uh, decorations for trees were very slim. They, the, the custom in Germany was to put a red apple or red apples on the green tree. Huh. Ha! started the tradition of having the Christmas colors be red and green.
1: Is that the same with Santa, too? What's that? Where the they, gave, they gave him our, you know that red right. outfit.
0: Well, that was an artist, uh, would you believe, for Coca-Cola. It was a Coca-Cola ad in the early 1930s. Really? Yeah, that gave us uh, our current picture of Santa Claus. Uh, and the, the guy, I'm trying to think of his name right now, it slips my mind, but the artist who created that ad for Coca-Cola, uh, it was in 1932, it was really a picture of him. That's the way he looked. He had the beard, and <laughs> it was really his, a self-picture that he put in. And before that, Santa, there were many variations of what Santa Claus looked like. And it's really the the picture from that 1932 Coca-Cola ad that we know Santa Claus as today.
1: Had in sunbloom.
0: Yeah, no, very good, George. How about that?
1: Very very good. See, I read your books.
0: Well, that's great. Very good. But I
1: didn't know it was Coca-Cola that uh, started that tradition. Yeah. And it took off like a rocket.
0: And then, if I could, uh, this brings uh, tears to your eyes when you hear this story. The little girl who wrote the letter to the uh, to a New York newspaper. Yes, uh, she was Is is old. there
1: a Santa, right?
0: Yeah, let me just give that story because it's just so beautiful. Uh, anyhow, this little girl, her name was Virginia O'Hanlon. She was eight years old in 1897, and she asked her father one day, "Is is there really a Santa Claus?" And the father didn't really know quite how to answer. So he said, well, why don't you write a letter to the New York Sun, which was a prominent New York newspaper at that time. So she did. She sat down and wrote a letter. And an editor by the name of Francis Church answered Virginia's letter in what became one of the most famous newspaper columns of all time. And just, if I can, just, some of this is just so beautiful.
1: Oh, absolutely. Go ahead.
0: Uh, He said, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as much as love and generosity and devotion exist. Thank God he lives because he will continue to uh, continue to make glad the heart of childhood. And it's just such a beautiful answer. There's more to it, of course. We have the whole letter, by the way, in our uh, all-time book of Fascinating Facts, but
1: and it tells it all, right, there. yeah,
0: and when he said, "Thank God he exists, and will make glad the heart of childhood, i mean it's that really says it all, and by the way, she lived she became a she grew up obviously and became a uh, school teacher in New York in the New York public school system. she lived over the 1970s uh, she died in her eighties.
1: I wonder if she read that letter to her class every year
0: uh probably <laughs>
1: you would think so
0: she was famous, miss O'Hanlon was. Virginia handling.
1: Where is it Christmas every day of the year?
0: How about that? There are three places in the world where there where it is Christmas every day. There's one island in the Indian Ocean. Uh it's a uh, territory of Australia and its name is Christmas Island. It was
1: uh, All right. It
0: got its name because it was discovered on a Christmas Day. There's also an island in the Pacific named Christmas Island and there's one off the coast of Nova Scotia. Uh, the first two were named Christmas Island because they were discovered on uh, Christmas Day. But the third one, the one off the coast of Canada in Nova Scotia, uh, there was actually a guy named, it was his last name, Christmas, one of the early settlers there. And so they, uh, the island was named after him, a uh, real person. But anyhow, if you lived on any of those three islands, uh, you could say, hey, wake up any day, it's Christmas. <laughs> You're right, it's Christmas there every day on Christmas Island.
1: I would say, now there's a question about the recordings of Christmas songs. Which Christmas song has sold the most records? Can I guess? Yeah, sure. I would say Bing Crosby's White Christmas. You
0: nailed it again, George. Yeah. Very good. Yeah.
1: And. and What a giant he was.
0: Uh, you know, when, the more you listen to him, he, he sang so naturally. But the other, a couple of amazing things about White Christmas. Uh, First of all, realize how many years it's been around it. It was uh, originated in a 1942 movie called Holiday Inn, and there's another little story about that. Uh, There was a later movie called White Christmas. The song wasn't that, but the song was introduced in the 1942 movie, uh, Holiday Inn, uh, sung by Bing Crosby in the movie, and then he made a recording of it. And it has sold somewhere around 50 million copies uh, since then, and the only, there are some uh, record historians who say there is one other record that is either equal to it or close to it or may surpass it. They they sort of run one, two, uh, and that's Elton John's Candle in the Wind, uh, which has sold roughly Classic. 40 yeah. to 50 million copies, but um, just to think that White Christmas has sold that many, uh, it, it's not only the best-selling Christmas song of all time, but it's, uh, the best-selling song <laughs> of all time. I love it by Ben Crosby. And one other thing about Holiday Inn, there was a guy in Memphis, Tennessee. His name was Kemmons Wilson, and he owned a motel in Memphis. And then after World War II, he wanted to expand his business. Started opening motels, building motels elsewhere. And he was looking for a name for his motels, and he loved that movie Holiday Inn. And he thought that's a perfect name for a motel chain, and that's where the name came from. How about that? (laughs) And also in that movie, uh, George is interesting. uh, It's called Holiday Inn, and there's a song for each holiday, and they're all written by Irving Berlin, who wrote White Christmas. Obviously, he also wrote Easter Parade, so that's a song for Easter. Uh, Be careful, it's my heart, was a song for uh, uh, Valentine's Day. And the whole point of the movie is the inn was only opened On holidays, that's why it was called Holiday Inn. Uh, And they always had a big show on each holiday during the year.
1: Charles Richbloom with us. His latest book, The All-Time Book of Fascinating Facts. You can get it right off his website, knowledgeinanutshell.com, which is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Here's some off-Christmas things I want to ask you. Some scientists believe that those statues on Easter Island might have been left there by aliens. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, it's one of the most amazing places in the world, George. There are 800 statues there. It's called uh, uh, Easter Island because it was discovered on an Easter day. It's in the South Pacific. Uh, and on those islands, there's, as I say, 800 statues. They're about 30 to 40 feet tall. They weigh 60 to 70 tons. And the question is how did people, they've been there for centuries, how did those statues, who moved those statues from the mountain rock from which they were carved? They're out by the sea, they're out on the mm-hmm. coast of Easter Island. So the question, and it's a major question, how could ancient people move those statues from the mountains out to where they are on the the island? So that's one big question mark there. And the other question mark is what those statues look like. The faces don't quite look like humans. Uh, Some people say they look a bit like aliens, and the question is... Were aliens there? Did they leave those statues as sort of a calling card? Did they did they carve out the faces in the mountain and move those 60 to 70-ton statues out to the coast? Uh, nobody really knows, and it, it's very hard to imagine ancient people being able to move anything that heavy. And also, why do those faces not look human? Why were they uh, carved to look, uh, let's say... Uh, subhuman or (laughs) non-human, they're very strange-looking faces, and are they really faces of aliens who might have been there? It's an interesting thing to think about.
1: You know, just about every question we're going to go through tonight, Charles, is a separate show all by itself.
0: (laughs) Well, we we could do that.
1: You have talked about turtles, that some of them outlive humans, obviously 150, 200 years old, without any doctors, vets, medicine... How do they live so long?
0: Isn't that amazing? Nobody knows, really. And when you stop to think about it, George, uh, and there's some other animals, too. Jellyfish are another example, but turtles are probably the best example because we know uh, definitely how long some of them live. Yep. Uh, you realize they, hey, they, they don't take any medicine, <laughs> no pills. They're, they never see a doctor.
1: No stress.
0: Uh, right. Uh-huh.
1: Nobody, there's a key.
0: Nobody tells them what to eat. Yeah, and you you hit the nail on the head there. As we say in the book, they're the slowest moving animals in the world. Maybe that's a lesson for us. <laughs> uh, but that's in a good any point. It, it, it is amazing that you know that they they can outlive us with all our medical knowledge and all our medicines and everything that's been developed over the years. All our knowledge of medicine, we we can't outlive those very primitive type animals.
1: Birds and fish can travel hundreds of miles and come right back to the spot they started. They don't have GPS tracking devices.
0: How do they do it? Uh, Salmon, for example, when they're born uh, in a river, let's say in Washington State, uh, after they're born, they swim out to the ocean. They swim hundreds of miles out into the ocean. And then when it's time for them to mate, they turn around and come back and come to the exact same spot from which they were born how in the world do they do that there like you said there's no gps there in <laughs> the bottom of the ocean they st- how do they do it how do they, and birds the same way uh you're not far from capistrano right when the birds come back to capistrano <laughs> they fly down to argentina in the winter and they fly back and you know when they fly you could say well they can see but They fly through, you know, where the weather's bad. uh, uh, They fly at nighttime. uh, There are no road signs uh, that they can see. How how do they get back to where they came from? That's another.
1: Does anybody know?
0: Mystery. No, no, no.
1: Is there another multiverse out there?
0: Well, that's a. I love that question because when you think about it our galaxy has over a billion stars just our galaxy and there are billions of galaxies and it, but is this the only universe we have all that we, you know which also leads to the question are we the only humans are we the only people in the whole universe with all those billions and billions and billions of stars with this little earth which is one of the smallest uh, places in the whole wide universe uh could it be possible that we're the only people like this in in all the universe? You know, it, it just you know defies mathematical possibility with all the billions and billions of of galaxies and then in all those galaxies all the billions and billions of stars. And then it leads to the question, well you know, maybe that's not even it. Maybe there's another universe out there just like this one. Maybe there's mm-hmm. two there or three of them. And that's something to uh, think about tonight when you lay down and go to bed. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.